Blog Talk Radio. connect to your soul, health, and wellness. Tune in as she brings messages, guidance, and clarity into your life. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Get Into It with Tina Conroy. I am your host on Blog Talk Radio. Always so grateful to be with all of you today. So if you are listening live or later on the recording, a big shout out and hello. Today is January 11th, 2017, and if you received my newsletter, I was explaining and talking about the numbers. So today is 11117. If you add all the numbers together, that is 11. And numbers are very, very interesting. If you're into numerology, you can look them up, but combinations of numbers are always signs, 111-222-444-555. Do you see those numbers? How often do you see them? Those are signs and signs from spirit, from guidance, and also your intuition. They are probably guiding you to look deeper, or perhaps to think about when you see those numbers, what is going on? Maybe it's a past loved one. Maybe there's certain signs, and we'll talk about that today, beyond numbers. But I want to read to you about the numbers and about the 11 number especially. The most intuitive positive characteristics, a master number, the 11 is most intuitive of all numbers. It is instinctual charismatic, dynamic, and capable when its sights are set on a concrete goal. The 11 is the number associated with faith and psychics. So here we are on this very auspicious day. I am so excited to bring my guest on today. Before I do that, I always love to center and ground our energy and connect. So if you can and you are not driving, please go ahead and close your eyes. Take a nice, long, slow, deep breath in and exhale away. And on that exhale, let go of anything that is not serving you at this moment, at this time, to be here, be here now, and connect in community. We call upon spirit, spirit guides, archangels, angels, to work with us and surround us in light. We ask for the divine to help us with guidance and support, clarity, to move further on our path, our purpose, and our connection. As we serve ourselves and serve others, all as lightworkers, we ask this always for the highest good, and so it is, and so be it. If you have any special intentions, feel free to bring them to mind. Take another breath in and exhale away. Ah, doesn't that feel good as we ground our energy? So I'm going to pull a card for our show, and I'm shuffling the deck, the magical map cards. And the card I chose in is entitled Gentle Gardener. Now, when this card comes up in the reading, it is about being very gentle with ourselves. We are coming upon a full moon, So energies may seem a little wonky. So if you're feeling that way, hold tight. But gentle gardener is to be very, very gentle with yourself, especially as we move into, well, this 11th day of the year. Perhaps your resolutions or intentions have swayed a bit. We're going to talk about that and recommit. But gentle gardener suggests that we are gentle with ourselves. Don't be so hard on yourself. 
If you've fallen off the intention path or the resolution, whatever you may call it for the new year, we will recommit and we're going to have a wonderful conversation about that today. So that is our card for the show, Gentle Gardener. So I want to share with you just a few highlights. If you are not part of my Facebook group, I would love to hold the invitation for you. My Facebook group is under the same name, Get Into It with Tina Conroy. It is a fantastic, fun community. And we have so much time and fun talking about spiritual practices. I do Facebook live readings on Friday and fantastic groups. So you can search it in the search bar in Facebook and I will invite you in. So feel free to find me. I have a very special offer that I am working with women in this new year and really working towards purpose and working towards connection. The Get Into It Mentorship 90-Day Program is a blend of Reiki energy work, learning Reiki energy work, mindfulness techniques, and intuition. And it is a 90-day one-on-one mentorship program. And if you are interested in deepening your spiritual practice, or even creating a spiritual business, I would love to have a conversation with you. And if that's the case, go ahead and email me at tinaconroy111 at gmail.com. I would love to hold that conversation and and see your goals and, and where you want to be and where you are right now. And then on January 22nd, 122, my workshop Envision 2017 at Practice Body, Mind, Soul in Roslyn, New York. It is from two to four. We will be creating vision boards, virtual reality, meditation, crystal grids, and gentle yoga to get you ready to release those blocks that are holding you back and moving into 2017. So envision with me on January 22nd. To register for that, 516-858-3095. So let me tell you a little bit about Lisa. Lisa is my dear friend and my yoga teacher. And I have known Lisa, hmm, I've probably known Lisa since about 2000, my goodness, I think I'm dating myself, maybe 2000, 2002, when I just very, very started doing yoga. I walked into a first yoga class with her. And we have been friends ever since, and I enjoy her classes. I enjoy all her philosophy. I enjoy so many things, and I want to share her with all of you and the listeners. Lisa Bondi is a yogi and meditator for over 30 years with over 15,000 hours of teaching experience. Lisa's a master yoga teacher who inspired many over the last 17 years of teaching on Long Island to become devoted practitioners and to train with her to become yoga teachers. Lisa co-founded two major yoga wellness centers in Nassau County. The first in 2003, Om Sweet Om Yoga in Port Washington, and more recently, 2012 Practice Northwell in Roslyn, New York, where she currently is the director of yoga and teacher training. Lisa's teaching style is masterful and empowering. She challenges all of her students to move beyond the bounds of the mind and expand into an experience of authenticity and self-realization. Lisa's intention and expertise lies in her ability to lead students on a healing, transformational journey, body, mind, and soul. In addition, Lisa has been a part of the holistic health and lifestyle movement and an environmentalist for the past 30 years a passionate, natural gourmet, farm-to-table, and macrobiotic cook. Lisa wholeheartedly believes in the healing, transformational power of food. Lisa is a clean, eating, and cleanse expert who offers three- and five-day homemade organic juice and food cleanses to her clients. You can find her at lisabyoga.com, and there is so much I can share with you, and I'm going to get her on the line. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Tina. How are you? I'm so well, thank you. And I'm just listening to you. And thank you so much for all the kind words. And um, I'm just so excited to be here, loving to listen to you and all that you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. I know when we, we change these roles and we kind of come into these new 
uh, adventures of ourselves. So this has become a passion of mine for probably about the last two years. So thank you for that. I enjoy having people on and learning so much about my guests, even though I know you so well. So I appreciate that. Yeah. So I want to bring the listeners back a little bit. Um, I always like to start this way. And if you can share with the listeners a little bit about you as a child. Okay. So, um, hmm. so I what, didn't have a very happy childhood. I had loving parents early on. Um, I mean, always, I should say, loving parents. But um, there was a divorce early on, and that threw um, a lot of instability and um, insecurity into the mix. And uh, my brother and I, I think, you know, due to the divorce and my parents um, really more self-absorbed and dealing with their own breakdowns, um, tended to be a little more, a little less loving and, and sort of neglectful, I would say, of my brother and I. And so I was kind of left to my own devices. And, um, you know, adversity often brings out our greatest strengths. And um, I think I developed very very independent uh, personality as a result. But um, there was, you know, it wasn't a very, like, light, happy-go-lucky childhood. Let's just say that. So you definitely had challenges. And, mm-hmm. and so it, so I would assume that those challenges, because I know people, so many people know of you today, those challenges have kind of created who you are, or it's been part of that molding clay of who you are. Yes, definitely. So, like, you, you know, I was a, I was actually a very shy child, which, you know, when people hear me say that today, they're, they're really surprised. You know, I, um, I had a hard time even speaking with adults. Um, yeah, I was too shy for words, I would say. Um, but um, at some point, I guess in my teenage years, I decided I had to um, fake it till I made it. And uh, and I just um, kind of came out of myself. Um, and um, let's see. Um, when did I get into yoga? Yoga, you know, it's interesting. I had this experience as a kid um, my parents, so my dad was a, um, a scientist and is a scientist, I should say, and uh, very, you know, empirical and scientific. And we didn't have a very spiritual home, although my, I have a large family and it's a Jewish family and we have, you know, the holidays and everything. Um, but in my little nuclear family, my dad was very scientific and on the atheistic side. And, and my mom sort of went along with the program. Um, I always find that kind of interesting because uh, my brother and I, you know, something must have been missing because I became this, you know, yogi, uh, and my brother became an Orthodox, Orthodox Jew. So, <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, something must have been missing, and each of us found, um, you know, a greater, um, an opening to greater meaning in life. Um, and, you know, so I, you know, I don't want to give my parents a bad rap. They're loving people. Um, they were just immature and, um, and not ready for kids. And that's really the truth. And I find that, and myself as a parent, um, I was, I was older. Um, I had, uh, done, I had evolved, you know, I think far more than both my mom and my dad had by the time I had my kids and raising children and being a parent is one of the most beautiful amazing you know journeys of my life and um and healing so um and my parents are born again grandparents they're like the best grandparents now so i don't want to you know paint a really dark picture of that no, of course and our and our you know like we always talk about things in our life it's again that molding and for the good and for the bad is is sort of who we are today and then we're always in the process of of creating more and you know, creating uh, new avenues for ourselves. So take me back to, I don't know how old you would have been, but take me back to any experience with yoga. Was it, was it as a child or was it more at a teenager or an adult? Take me back to some type of 
connection to that yogic experience? Sure, sure, sure. So I have a couple of very early yoga experiences. One was, so my dad was this scientist, and he was a builder, and he, you know, he was a college professor, um, and, you know, back then college professors could actually own a home and um, raise a family, you know. Um, so uh, we, I grew up in Brooklyn, and he, my dad would used to build our furniture. He also built our uh, color television in the 1970s from a kit. So, like, this wow. is the kind of nutty home I grew up in. So he built our beds and he built our bookcases, and we had these great big bookcases with many, many books, and I used to climb through the bookcases. And one day I found this book on yoga called Light on Yoga by this man named BKS Iyengar, and I think <laughs> I was about, I don't know, I was probably around nine years old. And um, I looked at the pages of this book with this man in a diaper contorted in all kinds of crazy positions. And I thought to myself, ew, <laughs> like, oh, my God, what is this man doing? Can you hear me? I can. I can hear you perfectly. Okay, because I couldn't hear you for a second. Sorry. Um, oh, I'm sorry. And, and so it was just very, you know, I look back at that and think to myself, wow, like I really had like this portal looking into my future. And I had this like really funny reaction. Um, and then not long after that, you know, I, um, I did, my mom brought me to a yoga class. I might have been 10 or so. And the world was very tumultuous in those days, 1969, 70. And, um, you know, there was protests in the streets, and there was um, war, and uh, it was just, um, and the environment was a big issue. It was very similar in a lot of ways to today, same kind of stresses. And for a young person, kind of aware, I was the kind of kid who carried the weight of the world on their shoulders. And so my mom thought, well, why don't I send Lisa to a yoga class? And in those days, it wasn't easy to find yoga classes, though, not like today. And um, and so she, you know, found this class in the basement of a church, and, um, and I went, and uh, I was surrounded by all these old ladies, probably like 20, and, <laughs> um, right, you know, and I was very shy, as I said, and, um, but I was also very supple, and the teacher used to, uh, asked me to demonstrate poses a lot because I was very flexible and 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 I enjoyed it very much. Um, but I have to say that uh, I didn't enjoy being at the front of the room. And eventually, I told my mom I didn't want to go back. But it planted a seed. I have to say of you know just kind of connection to my body and um, and a calmness and an appreciation for. Um, for the peace that comes from the practice. And uh, and then, again, when I was in college, I started to practice kind of more in earnest and uh, more regularly and, and found my teachers and my meditation teachers. And, um, and that's really, you know, was the big start. But I just always think it's so interesting that there was this, like, portal, you know, um, very early on of a seed planted. Right. I... And yeah. I can just imagine, knowing how how flexible you are, that the yoga teacher, you know, would have put you in the front of the room and said, look at what she can do, you know, or just right. being younger. And, and I would, it's funny how you say that, right? They were ancient, <laughs> and they were probably in their 20s, right? Oh, totally, yeah. And then I felt, you know, and nowadays, I mean, you know, young people, tweens and teens, they can find classes where they're with their peers, you know. And um, actually, that's something that, you know, we're looking to develop also at practice but um but you know it's such a wonderful thing for that age group you know yes exactly so yeah. you, so now you're practicing yoga more regularly and you've you've you found your teachers so can you share a little bit about your teachers sure so um well i'm going to talk about um three teachers that you know i really hold in my heart in a very dear way um, and they came kind of like toward the middle of, you know, my, my practicing career at this point. But um, because I practiced, so, you know, for a good long time before I, I received these teachers, um, you know, there's that expression, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Yeah. And, um, 
and I went for a, a while, like really wanting a teacher, and um, and I I did this uh, this yoga teacher training program. This um, well, I should say it was a it was a primary series um, Ashtanga uh, teacher training program with David Swenson, and I had practiced with him before and loved him so much and I went up to Kapalu and I did this training with him and on the way up I mean you just have to like see it like I'm driving up and I've left my children I have little I have this little one who's like turning four literally while I'm away and I'm thinking you know I'm going to get back and I'm going to have his birthday party but I'm not going to be there on his birthday and I'm like thinking oh you know but I'm hoping to myself maybe he was three actually like he'll never remember you know (laughs) he might be listening to this right now and I'm you know uh, anyway it was terrible but I was doing this for myself I wanted to um, I wanted to have the experience and I'm thinking to myself I'm going to get there all these people are going to be pierced and tattooed and young and here I am this mother of two and um, I was probably 40 um, and thinking I was very old ha 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 right and um, <laughs> But and I got and I got there and and I was sort of right in the middle and I was right in the middle in terms of practice and it was all fine and I just loved David so much his light and his wit and his intelligence and his ability to you know inspire your practice and um, and it was this wonderful training and I really reached out to him to be my teacher. And David is a very reluctant guru. He doesn't, um, that's not what he's looking for. And he really um, considers the practice to be the teacher. And um, and he kind of just kind of kept me at arm's length. Although we're and we're good friends, and I don't mean it like you know he pushed me away or anything like that. Um, but it wasn't like he was you know taking you know that role. He wasn't stepping into it. And um, and not long after that, but nonetheless, he is one of my teachers. And you know we're we're he's a friend and a teacher, and has inspired my practice for many. Many years now, um, but not long after that, his teacher Patabi Joyce was coming to New York, and a couple of friends from that training said, "Let's go." And um, Patabi Joyce is the founder of Ashtanga Yoga, the father of Ashtanga Yoga. He passed about five years ago, but um, he used to do these world tours, you know, uh, stopping in different cities and, and leading practices, and all of his students would flock to him. And uh, I went with some friends to practice with him at the top of the Puck Building at 6 a.m. And, mm-hmm. um, oh, my God, and, like, you know, hundreds of people are there. And, oh, I was so nervous. And, um and uh, oh boy, you know, I was just so nervous. And and you know, there was all kinds of, all kinds of stories running, you know, flying around about how fierce he was and how his adjustments were so fierce and how strict he was. And uh, I, I mean, I know I'm going on and on, but um, so tell me if you want me to stop. But um, so I do this. I do the primary series and. You know, it's just this incredible energy in the room, all these people, the sweat, the, you know, intensity, the Sanskrit, the, it was just fabulous. And the sun is rising over the, the New York City, and it's just this great energy. And um, and afterwards, after the practice, everybody gets online to, um, and he, uh, Tabby Joy sits in this seat, and, and people come up to him, and they kind of bow down, they they touch his feet, and um, because that's where the wisdom settles, you know, in terms of, you know, um, Eastern philosophy, and, uh, and, and I and that's what you do. So I get online, and I think to myself, I'm talking with my friends, am I going to do this, you know? I mean, I'm a Westerner. I don't bow, you know. That's not what we do, and um, we don't touch people's feet. <laughs> and right. I'm thinking, and I'm so intimidated, and all these people are doing this, and the lines, I'm getting closer and closer because I was all the way in the back, and I get up to him, and I think, okay, I'm here. I'm doing this, and I, I get on my knees, and I touch his feet, and I look up, 
and he's about 90 or 88 or something. I look up, and he looks me in the eye, and he takes my face into his hands, and he kisses me. And he says, and he says, you come to my birthday party. (laughs) And, um, and I knew I had found my teacher, like, you know, whether I could, I know, I know. And so I I just, and, and I'm telling you something, everyone has a story like that about Guruji. He was kind and loving and just knew what a heart needed. And, um, I feel even though he's gone, I have, I feel still a connection with him all the time. So beautiful. What he what his, you know, famous quote is practice and all is coming and I go into my practice and six days a week and I connect to that source of love and compassion. And um yeah. That's that's really Karuji. Yeah. I love that. I love that story. I'm glad I never see these are the things I get to learn and how long have I known you? It's amazing. I, I love it. I love it. So I'm going to switch gears oh, just a bit. Okay. I want to switch gears to talking about recommit. So we had spoken okay. about getting, you know, talking about the show. And and so tell us a little or share with the listeners a little bit about what does recommit mean to you and, you know, from this place that we're sharing in the conversation. Sure. So, you know, Okay, so what does the practice give us, all right? When I say a practice, when I talk about the practice of yoga, you know, I'm not just talking about the practice of asana and the postures. I'm talking about a full eight-limb practice, right? And maybe not everybody knows what that means, but I'm not going to, you know, make that a lesson on the eight-limb. Maybe one of these days you guys can come and take one of my um, workshops. I'm going to be doing one in the spring, actually, on the eight limbs of yoga. And um, so, but but when I talk about the practice, I'm referring to not just asana, but also to an ethical practice, to a mindfulness about what we take in, into our bodies, into our consciousness, like what we eat, what we drink, what we watch, what we read. Um, I'm talking about um, meditation in terms of the practice, um, and I'm talking about how we are in relationship with ourselves and with others. So when I say, you know, what does the practice bring to your life, to my life? I mean, for me, the practice brings steadiness. Um, it brings balance. And from steadiness and balance, it brings a sense of courage and peace a connection to wisdom, a connection to, and from that wisdom, right, you can go anywhere. You go to forgiveness, to compassion, to love, and to faith, right? So um, recommitting to practice. So these are all the the things that are out there waiting for you if you commit to a practice, right? Right. Sometimes, sometimes we, um, we, okay, so in the Yoga Sutras, this is this is uh this to me is just so wonderful. All right, here it is the new year, right? All of us maybe I think about the holidays and I'm a person who loves the holidays. I get into it. I love all of them. I love Christmas, I love Hanukkah, I love it all. I love solstice. Um and I love the celebration. I love connection with others. I'm a very social person. I love the feasting. But all of that, you know, has a shadow side, right? And that's that we tend to be more excessive in what we take in, right, our bodies and eating and drinking. uh, right, sure. <laughs> yeah. right. I know, I know. So, um, so we have that shadow side, and we also have the shadow side of like, all right, staying up too late, maybe burning the candle at both ends, maybe feeling like, you know, run down or whatever, you know, or cranky or, you know, just and all of the things that come when we're not really taking great care of ourselves, right? Because that's part of the practice is to really be careful careful about ourselves and our health and i mean that's what our practice brings is is a sense of strength and prana life force right so um so it says in the yoga sutras and i love this because you know we can get very hard on ourselves about like 
you know, kind of slipping and, you know, not, you know, maybe gaining a few pounds or maybe, um, you know, not feeling as strong or as steady. And, um, and the beautiful thing about yoga is that, you know, in yogic philosophy, and this is like 3,000 years old, this comes from the Yoga Sutras, in uh, Book 1, Sutra 30, they talk about the obstacles to practice. And, um, and these obstacles are disease, dullness, doubt, carelessness, laziness, sensuality, false perception, failure to reach firm ground, and slipping from the ground gained. So these are the obstacles, right, that um, get in the way of practice. And I just think that it's so beautiful to know that yogic philosophy understood that this is the human condition. This is where we're at. We, we strive to be, you know, a higher evolved human being, right? And sometimes we, we attain a higher ground and like we can hold it, but we're not machines, right? It's not like everything's linear. We don't just, you know, we're not just on or off. We don't just like gain and gain and gain and gain. Sometimes we slip and it's just part of the human condition. And then we need to recommit to renew our commitment to, you know, okay, I'm going to clean up my act. You know, I'm going to get to bed earlier. I'm going to cut out sugar or whatever it is, you know, that that slips in. Obviously, that's what happens to me. Anyway, um, so that's what I mean when I say recommitting to healthy practices. I mean... I mean, find compassion, understand that this is natural, this is, this is part of being alive, part of being a person, you know, enjoy the joyful part, and then just take responsibility for your health. Right, right, absolutely. And there's always, yeah. isn't there always that we can always restart, we can always, like, you know, switch that switch back on. And I, I say this a lot in, in my classes and with my students, that as you come to the mat, it's, it's a clean slate. So you come to the mat, like you approach your day, you approach, approach your moment. I want to share a quote with you that I quoted in my newsletter today. There's a difference between interest and commitment. When you're interested in doing something, you do it only when it's convenient. When you're committed to something, you accept no excuses, only results. Now, it may not be a, you know, very, you know, right on the yogic path, but enough to say that, you know, not every time we come to the practice, it's going to be all butterflies and leprechauns. Absolutely. Right? Like we can come and be like in in tears and in child's pose because of many different things, but we commit to the practice. And I love that. So it reminds me of that. I love that too, and I think it's right on. I, you know, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, my practice, my physical practice, getting on the mat is six days a week. And trust me, a lot of those days are not convenient. And it's dragging, it's tiring, it's dragging myself out of bed even though I got to bed late the night before. And maybe my practice feels different and maybe I respond differently. And I, you know, I I do a different, um, I approach it differently because of that. I'm aware of it, you know. But but here's the thing, one of the things, I'm going to go back to David Swenson for a second to say that, so David says, and I love this, the only practice you regret is the one you don't do mm. because you're going to feel better afterwards. So it's a, it's a good thing to keep in mind when you don't want to do it. You're not going right. to regret it. You're only going to regret that you didn't do it, right? I completely agree. I completely <laughs> agree. And I have, to, I have yeah. to really remind myself of this. And I think sometimes to my students, I, I share with them that it's not – you know, because I teach yoga and I practice yoga, and again, it's eight limbs, so even if I'm not doing asana, there's been times where I couldn't practice, and you know that I've had, we've all had health things, and Mm -hmm. you do other, that's the eight limbs, and I know we could have a whole show on that, but however, but however, it's, you know, some, I don't want anyone to think that I'm better than anybody else. I struggle with my practice, and I have, you know, it's not like every time I come to my mat for my for my asana practice or my personal practice on the mat, that it's, you know, it may not be challenging. And I mean, sometimes it's just challenging getting my foot on the mat, right? So (laughs) it's true. I know. It's it's so true. This morning I woke up and I got up extra early and I have all these things I want to accomplish. And for me, I, I did, I don't have a full 
I, I don't have it a full Ashtanga practice like you do, but as long as I get on my mat once a day and I do something, that's my practice for the, you know, that that's part. That's a good thing. Exactly. And I got on and I did my, you know, starting out with A, starting out with B, a few things here and there, but I got on the mat and that's the commitment and that's the practice. So I love that when you share that because it, it really does help people to know that it's not always, it's, it's not always fun. And it's not always, like I said, butterflies, yeah. leprechauns the practice. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I keep seeing butterflies and leprechauns, Tina. I know. I know. Sorry. It's just very visual for me, you know, flying around. So I want to, we have so much to touch upon. So I'm going to switch okay. gears again. And I want to go okay. to, so we talked a little bit about the practice, the, the yoga practice and the eight limbs a bit. We touched on that. Tell, let's, let's chat a little bit and bring the listeners into uh, your passion for healthy eating and clean eating and where that okay. came from and maybe, you know, however you want to share. Okay. So, um, you know, so here we are coming out of the holidays and that whole, you know, beautiful holiday experience and then the shadow side and here we are like facing, you know, whatever, the clothes aren't fitting the same or, you know, just feeling, okay, so here are all the signs, right? The signs of maybe perhaps needing to clean up your act. Um, the signs are bloat, um, heaviness, sluggishness, irritability, um, what else? Joint pain, aches and pains, um, lack of energy, difficulty focusing, um, Oh, okay. So let, that's that's pretty good. And, you know, problems with digestion, that's another big one. Problems digesting, um, and that can be like constipation. It can be, you know, the other way around. Um, so these are all signs that uh, it's time to clean up the act. You know, your, your physical body is, um, your physical body is, is under duress. And, you know, in this day and age, we, re- we recognize wholeheartedly and fully, scientifically, that there is a connection between the physical and the mental, right, emotional, that there's this actual connection. It didn't always, wasn't always recognized. It wasn't always scientifically understood that way. You know, it used to be, I think, therefore I am. We were all in our heads. You know, the body was something else. But now we understand that, you know, well, if we're if we have disease in the body, we probably aren't going to be a very happy person. You know, we may have like some kind of a um, uh, a correlation in terms of how we're thinking, maybe negative thinking or depression or um, um, and and it's it's nothing to say that it's not to say that you know we're bad people or anything, or if you have a disease that you're a bad person or you don't think well, I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is um, if there's a, a, a physical problem, it will be in some way reflected emotionally or mentally, and mm-hmm. and vice versa. If you're very sad, I mean, if you've ever been grieving, um, you know, we feel it in our bodies as well. We, you know, it manifests there. Um you know, I i mean, just a, a, a really quick digressive story. Um, last year around this time, I always think it's so fascinating that, you know, when you come upon anniversaries of a loss of some kind, that it's almost like there's this physical, emotional clock where right. your body remembers. It's so amazing to me. So I lost my stepfather on January 16th last year. And um, and he had been very sick. He you know, terrible dementia. And my mom was like, whatever, dealing with him in Florida and, and not wanting to let him go. And it was really, really time. And, and I was, I was waiting. I was sort of waiting for a sign that I knew that it was time to go down and help her. And, um, because she wasn't going to let him go. And I knew it was like getting close, getting close. And then one day I woke up and it was as if someone had shot an arrow into my back through my heart and I literally couldn't move. I couldn't even do a sun salutation. Every day I would come to my mat and like say, okay, I'm going to, 
I'm going to just practice and I'm going to get through this day and I'm going to, you know, do everything I have to do and I'll know when it's time. I literally could not even do a sun salutation because it was as if someone had shot me through my heart. And I couldn't take one more day and I knew I have to go down. It's time. And, um, And so, like, that's just, you know, I... All of the mental, it was really time. My body, you know, finally, <laughs> it told me. And um, you know, sometimes we don't listen to our heads. You know, right. we have to. Right. We have to learn the lesson through the body. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I know, I know. I, I, I kind of went off the, off the um, train of thought here. But um, so back to cleansing. Um, yeah, those are the signs that you need that that you may need to clean up your act. And there are many ways to go about cleaning up your act to bring more energy and um a more positivity um you know, so um giving your organ systems a break, you know, so that uh they can clear out and um and and fill with uh, fresh fluids and and that spaciousness and lightness that comes through physically is then reflected in your mental capacities and your um and in your spirit you know it's just more of a connection to spirit because you're not okay so here's another metaphor to understand um why cleansing and why keeping the system this physical system clean is so important because our bodies are our vehicles of of um perception right so how do we perceive the world we have this physical body through which to perceive it and if we're going to if we're loaded up with junk you know we our perceptions aren't going to be super clear they're not going to be light they're not going to be you know we're not going to like we're just not going to be seeing beauty all the time you know when we're full of junk uh we'll be seeing junk you ever notice that you know you go out into the day and if you're if you're feeling great, like all is fine and beautiful in the world, and if you're feeling crappy, it's like everybody's nasty, and you know. I do. So, I actually that it really affects me very much. If I and I felt like that as the holidays were coming to an end, I felt worse and worse and worse, and my you know it was uh, my birthday and New Year's, and I couldn't get uh, out from under the sludge. And then you know what though, I have to share this quick thing. So I'm feeling really crappy. I'm overindulging. I mean more than overindulging. And I, you know, get back from the, the couple of days in the city that we do. And, you know, of course I go to put on my jeans or whatever. I'm like, ah, so I, I, you know, I meditate and I say my prayers and I'm like, please help me get healthy and, and put me in alignment. <laughs> and guess what? I got the stomach virus. So yeah, because you know what I asked, I asked and I received and people might be laughing and thinking that's crazy, but it absolutely was divine timing. I got the stomach yeah. virus. I reikied my stomach for 48 hours. I never, nothing ever happened, but I had severe pain. I swear that I just kept, you know, doing the reiki energy and keeping it at bay. But it took away my craving for sugar. It took away my craving for carb. It took away my oh, craving yeah. for crap. And and there we are. So here we are. Second week, 11 days. Here we go. So uh, yeah. So it it helped you reset. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And um and that's all we sort of need, you know. Once you get um once you get that taste of sugar and carb again, um you know, for many of us that is such a trigger and it's so hard to turn it off. And the only way to do it is to just do it. And uh you know, be careful what you ask for, right? You might get a stomach exactly. flu and that'll do it for you. Um and you know, but generally speaking, it only takes a day or two, and you can reset. Um, and if you have, I mean, I I offer these three and five day cleanses with all organic, you know, fresh juices. And uh, in the winter, I offer more like homemade soups and some cooked food because, I mean, generally speaking, we or the weather's colder and, and we tend to need a little more um substantial and warming foods uh in the winter um so anyway um yeah i mean when you when you replace uh what you're taking away with food that is 
um, not processed, full of life force energy, you know, live food, like raw, you know, juicing and, um, and soups that are, you know, just full of um, nutrients. Um, it's, you don't really miss it. You just don't really miss the sugar. It just resets your taste buds and resets your system, and um, and you're kind of filled with a, a different kind of energy that, you know, the sugar is great. It's like a buzz, you know, and it's delicious, and it's, you know, and caffeine too. It's like this buzz, and it's delicious. And um, But when you can move away from that and you can connect that other kind of energy that's, like, more grounded and um, just <sighs> – Equally, you know, if not more so, uh, um, energized, but clear and grounded, and um, there's just nothing better. You know, and I, there isn't nothing better. And I have had the experience of, I've done a couple cleanses with you, actually. I've done Mm -hmm. mostly the three days, and I think I've done at least two, if not three. And if you remember correctly, last summer, my 19-year-old, well, she was 18 at the time, she, you know, here she is, and she's, you know, they listen nothing to their parents, right? We know this. Right. And she <laughs> she said to me, I feel so gross, I feel so gross, and she's eating all this college food, and I need to do a cleanse, I need to do a cleanse. I didn't even know she knew what a cleanse was, but of course, you know, they read everything. And right. you were so fantastic. You actually, you know, you spoke to her on the phone, had a conversation with her, and you created a cleanse for her. And she did a three-day. And she did pretty good. I, I think I think, I kept looking at her and saying, are you going to finish that soup? Can I have the soup? Can I have the soup? <laughs> <laughs> so she, did pretty, she did pretty well. But it came from her. I mean, I didn't yeah. tell her to do a cleanse. And that was so great. So, they are yeah. every anyone who's listening. So where can people find you? Is it through your website or? Yeah, definitely check me out on my website. I'm happy to give out my email as well. It's lisabyoga at, at gmail dot com, and you can email me if you're interested in talking more about it. And um, you know, I, I'm ha- I, this is one of my favorite subjects in the world. I'm happy to discuss things with you and con- consult with you and and set something up for you that would. Um, help you to come to better balance at this time when we feel so like tipsy, you know? Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I actually so, had and, someone and that just about, oh, wait, and just about the hope thing, you know, um, Tina's daughter, um, I, you know, that age group in particular, that whole college dorm first year like not having a kitchen i honestly when you know my kids go through went through this jed's actually in the midst of it he actually asked me if i would um if i could like write a letter getting him out of his meal plan because he didn't even want to eat that food you know Mm -hmm. it's just um but he doesn't have a kitchen so that's the problem and i thought to myself oh my god can you imagine not having a kitchen Uh, i would definitely at this point in my life die so um, I just uh, so yeah, just to give those you know give that age group some support is so important, so important. You're such a good mother, really. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm just glad that she came upon herself to really want to do it because she wouldn't have yeah. listened to me. That's for sure. That's well, for yeah. sure. Yeah, we know that already. <laughs> yes, we do. So I actually have somebody on my switchboard that wants to ask you a question. Are you open to opening the phone line? Sure. Okay. Why not? Hold on a second. So I'm just going to look at my switchboard. So I have a lot of people that are listening, and it looks like last four digit 8292, you have a question. So I'm going to get you on the air, and let's see. Hopefully you didn't just hit that button. Hold on. Let's see. Hi, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, who am I speaking with? With Anna. Hi, Anna. Do you have a Hi, question? Anna. Hi. Um, do, you, do you have a question for Lisa? Be... Yeah, what kind of questions can I ask her? Well, we're talking about recommits to the practice, so yoga and cleansing and nourishment counseling. Mm-hmm. Anything, I wasn't sure when I saw your question mark. It's usually when people want to get asked a question. 
what can a person do when they're like not interested in yoga but but you know, how can you actually be interested in yoga when you're not when you're having a hard time with it? How can you be interested in yoga when you're having a hard time with it? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the, I, I, I think I understand what you're saying. It can be a very um, – so I, I've had the experience with a number of students where – and my teacher, David Swenson, used to tell a story about this too. Like he used to tell people when they begin the practice, like the first day of class, okay, so this practice is going to – it's going to help it's going to start waking things up you're going to become more aware of things you're going to all of a sudden want to do things differently it awakens your um it awakens your innate desire to be healthy okay so it starts to you start to see like okay you want to read the labels of what you're eating right you want to know what's in your food you start to want to stay to go to bed early and wake up maybe more with the sunshine you want to be more in tune with the cycles of nature you want to all of a sudden you start like looking at your relationships differently you want to start to remove toxicity from your life because that's what the practice does so um so there may be some resistance to that it may take a long time because making changes can bring up a lot of resistance. And I think maybe that's what you're talking about. So if that's what you're talking about, the only thing I can say is to keep at it, you know, just to be kind, compassionate, and practice all is coming. It will come. I'm just not it, sure if yoga yoga is the one for me, you know. Well, I mean it, it I mean our conversation today is about yoga and healthy eating and recommitting. So you're the only one, you know, we we talk about what was best for us and so you know, we we know for ourselves and for so many different people. So but it has to be intrinsically of what something you want. So, you know, we're not trying to persuade anybody to do it. It's just most people that want to be on this path, there is a recommitting of just staying on it. So I would just go in within and ask yourself if that's something you want to know more knowledge about or go deeper. Um, there's there where do where are you calling from, Anna? From New York. Anna, the other thing I would say to you is to at least, you know, go for walks in nature. Start with that. Right. Go for walks in nature, you know, and yeah, and yeah. breathe. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks for calling in, and we just we wish you a thank wonderful you. new year, and for all your practices that are coming. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate it. Have a great day. Bye bye. Okay, Lisa. We have about six minutes left. Okay. So I I want to just I know there's a lot we didn't get to touch on but we did I'm glad we got to uh, most of it I want to always I always ask the question I ask all my guests what moment or thing can you share that had you connect your intuition Okay Well <laughs> if you don't mind I just want to bring up one more thing and that's my teacher trainings um, I'm just going to say this for you know anyone who's interested. Um, it's a true passion that um, I, it's my favorite thing. Um, I love to share my passion for yoga and knowledge of yoga with people who are interested in deepening their practice um, and or learning to be teachers. So I have a teacher training coming up in March, and if anyone's interested, they can reach out to me uh, on my website, lisabyoga.com, or on through my email, lisabyoga.com. At gmail.com. Okay. Yes, thank you so for that. that. There are, and, You're welcome. And Lisa, and Lisa has, yes, thank you so much for letting everybody know. Lisa has taught probably over 100 yoga teachers in, the, in this area. And um, I can say that her teachings are phenomenal. People keep coming back. Um, her students are teaching. Most of them are teaching regularly. And 
So absolutely look for her at lisabyoga.com. And she also can be found at practicebodymindsoul.com. Um, you. And you can email her as well. So the teacher training will be coming up soon. So any information, actually, we can give you practices number as well. So 516-858-3095 if you're interested in the program. Thanks so much, Lisa, for, for sharing that. You're welcome, that. Tina. Thank you, Tina. And as far as the intuition piece, you know, so just getting back to like how I, you know, intuition was something that and anything that wasn't like empirically known, like something that you can see or touch or feel, you know, in my in my upbringing was like, you know, completely discounted. So my intuition came to me later in life um, and, uh, you know, I, as something that I would value, that I would put my trust in. And um, and it really kind of came out actually as a result of practice that, and, it, you know, that's also in the sutras as well, that the more you practice, the stronger your intuition becomes. And um, so... Uh, <laughs> So I, there are so many examples of, um, of you know, when my intuition would kick in. And, you know, I know we talked about something before, but I'm going to bring something else up, and that's that, you know, intuition is sometimes understanding or knowing things that you really have no basis in reality of knowing, right? And it just, like, the information comes to you somehow. And, um, and so... I'm sure everyone has experiences with that at some time in their life. And, you know, I found that the more I practice, the more clear seeing I become. I'll think about someone that I haven't seen, a student that I haven't seen in a long time who maybe moved across the country, and they come into my mind. Like I see a picture of them, and the next day they walk into the room. Yep, absolutely. Um, You know, that happens all the time. Does it happen for you too? It does. It does. It's, yep. It's always you know, shocking to me that it does. I know. It's shocking, and then it's like, oh, of course, right? You know, exactly. of course we have this ability to know. And um, and then, you know, I don't I don't know how much time we have, but um, I do have. Two minutes. <laughs> two minutes? Okay, then let me leave it at that. Let me leave it at that. I do trust my intuition, and I have a spirit guide. My cardinals are my spirit guide when my – my beloved Uncle Ned passed away right before he died, maybe a year before he died. He struggled with a rare blood cancer for many years, um, many years, more than five or maybe more. Um, he said he was going to come back as a red bird, and mm. uh, and they're, they're, they're all over my life. You know, every, uh, especially in times when I'm questioning and I'm doubting and, um, I'll be, say, driving, and I turn a corner on a side street, and there's a cardinal in the middle of the road. And, wow. like, you know, I know. It's like that, and it just makes me just stop and remember that, you know, the universe is a good place and, you know, and to recommit to faith and, and knowing that things are going to be okay, you know. So, uh, so yeah. So that's well, thank you. I, that, I love that story. I really love that story. And I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. And I know people that are listening live, and we have so many people that will be listening on the recording. So thank you for being who you are, for sharing your light, for training so many people in this beautiful practice of yoga. And as you continue to train yoga teachers and and they share their light and you continue to share your light as well as creating the healthy living and the cleanses and really staying committed to that, you know, beautiful uh, energy of health. So thank you so much, Lisa. And um, you're the best. I love it. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Tina. I am so, this has been such a pleasure and, you know, just talking to you and, um, being in your capable hands and your amazing radio show, uh, it's like just so exciting and super impressive. And, you know, so I, I'm, I feel honored and thank you so much. You're welcome. Well, thank you. You have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Namaste. Bye-bye.
Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Again, a wonderful, amazing episode with Lisa Bondi. And if you are looking to reach Lisa to do her teacher training or cleanses, lisabyoga.com. Also, you can reach her at the practice website. That's practicebodymindsoul.com. She will have a yoga teacher training coming up very shortly. So make sure you get the information on that. And again, the nourishment, counseling, and cleansing, they are fantastic. I can say that myself really amazing. And if my 19-year-old can love them, believe me, anybody can. So enjoy the rest of the show and the rest of the day if you are listening again. And have a wonderful day. Enjoy this beautiful day and all the ones and embrace 11, your power number. Namaste.